This episode of Good Morning Nancy mentions suicide and contains discussions on sex and violence. Listener discretion is advised. Good morning, Nancy. My name is Gracie. And I'm Abby. And if you're new to the show, welcome. Abby and I have been friends since the day she was born. We both love drinking coffee and talking about our favorite horror movies together. You can find our episodes, blog posts, merch, and more by going over to www.goodmorningnancy.com. We work really hard on these episodes and do a lot of research. Show us how much you appreciate our work and head on over to patreon.com slash goodmorningnancy. Remember, that's morning with an O-U. Okay, so today Abby and I are going to be talking about the 2014 found footage film, As Above, So Below. Yes. It was directed by John Eric Dowdle, right? Dowdle? Uh, Dowdle? But there's a W in there. Mm, Oh. Dowdle. Okay. Yeah. John Eric (laughs) Dowdle directed it and he also wrote it and it was co-written by his brother drew dowdle so the film stars english actress perdita weeks and it also stars ben feldman edwin hodge and francois civil so with permission from the french authorities the film was shot in the real catacombs of paris how exciting must that have been i know yeah so cool when i uh, found that out I, th- I didn't realize that I figured that that first part of the film where they see all the skeletons might have been mm-hmm. but the rest of the film I didn't I didn't expect it I thought that was all stage so that's a really fun fact yeah there was very little use of props as the actors had to use the environment around them production in the actual catacombs was very difficult for the cast and especially the crew as there was no electricity or cell phone service in the centuries old tunnels um no i'm not okay with that yeah so ben uh fieldman who plays George, suffers from claustrophobia, so he had to keep taking breaks so that he could cope with it. I am. I'm there for that. Yeah. So the first trailer of the film was revealed on April 24th, 2014, in a really interesting way. I didn't know this. Famous YouTuber PewDiePie and his girlfriend promoted the film by embarking on a quest into the actual catacombs, where they would be scared in a variety of ways. Oh, boy. And then they also showed the trailer after that. Mm. The film was released on August 29th, 2014, and it grossed $21.2 million in North America and $18.9 million in other territories for a total gross of $40.1 million. So found footage films can be a hit or miss, but Ugh. they mostly miss. <laughs> Yes. As Above was no different. The film received mostly mixed to negative reviews from moviegoers and critics, and it was mostly because of the found footage aspect of it. Ugh. Bruce DeMera wrote in the Toronto Star, and he said, quote, As Above, So Below has some good scares and a decent cast, but it's yet another found footage thriller, so jittery camera sequences may induce nausea. <sighs> True, though. Right. With that said, though, Abby, could you please remind us all of the plot? Absolutely. 
A group of young people led by a courageous, sometimes reckless explorer named Scarlet venture into the catacombs below France, hoping to find the Philosopher's Stone. They're led by a French man named Papillon, his girlfriend Susie, and their friend Zed. Scarlet's friend George and cameraman Benji are also in tow. As they explore, they become trapped in the catacombs, and they start seeing visions of their own personal traumas, kind of like their own versions of hell. And they're either killed or, you know, they're picked off by the mysterious creatures and quote-unquote cultists Mm -hmm. that wander the catacombs. There's also a friend of Papillon's that was trapped in the catacombs but managed to survive. His name is La Taupe, yep. I think. That means the mole in French. Yep. So they stumble across him cowering in the darkness as well. Super creepy. Um, throughout all of this, though, Scarlet is hellbent on finding what she came for. However, she leads pretty much the entire group to their death as they frantically try to find their way out of the catacombs by you know, solving riddles and using their knowledge of archaeology and history. But the only remaining survivors, Scarlet, Zed, and George, finally emerge from the catacombs through a manhole in the street by the end of the film. But scattered throughout the plot, there's all of this, like, really cool, like, old legends and stuff like that. There's a lot of, like, weird, like, esoteric and kind of... You know, they talk about alchemy and stuff in the film, too. Yeah, a lot of dark um, black magic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the title, As Above, So Below. It's like... We'll get into that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's pretty much the plot. Thank you, Abby, for that wonderful plot summary. You're so welcome. Okay, guys. So, the Bechdel test. Yes, it surprisingly passes... uh, even though most of the cast is male, hmm. Scarlett and Susie have a few, like, little tidbit kind of conversations together about the trip and walking into the catacombs. Mm. But I rewatched the film a few hours before recording this, and I almost don't want to count it because it's so minor, and they say, like, maybe two words to each other yeah i feel like that's not enough to pass i you know what it technically i guess does pass but i don't like it (laughs) (laughs) we're not fans listen yeah it's so stupid and they (laughs) i love this film and you guys know this that you can love a film so much but it's always positive to look at the reasons why it's complicated yeah because I don't think there's anything wrong with liking a film that uh, has issues. No. I still enjoy this one. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Absolutely. This film is a lot of fun, even though it has some very jarring issues. And it scared the crap out of me. It's very scary. Yeah. It is a very scary film. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it sort of passes the Bechdel. I don't really like it, though. <laughs> you guys can make your own decision. Yeah. Um, let's look at Nancy's Dream Team test. <laughs> It's a failure on all accounts. Sorry, guys. Yeah. One, is the supporting cast at least 50% women? Heck no. Mm -hmm. Two, did a woman write, direct, or produce the film? No, 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 no. Three, (laughs) was the final girl a person of color? Nope. Four, were there any openly LGBTQ characters in the film? No, 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 no. No everywhere. It's like the no cat. No, 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 no. Let's talk about Scarlet. Mm. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Mary Sue's for women or Gary Stew's for men is 
Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> is an idealized and seemingly perfect fictional character. They can usually perform better at tasks than should be possible given the amount of training or experience. Now, you can argue that she's not a Mary Sue because she does have training. Mm-hmm. She explains it in the beginning of the film that she has a black belt, that she has all of this education, uh, she knows all these languages. Mm -hmm. Not that women like that don't exist. They do. But I feel like, I think it was a little much. Mm -hmm. Uh, It didn't make her very relatable, in my opinion. Yeah. That's just my opinion. What do you think? Well, here's the thing. It's frustrating because of the storyline of her father and she kind of says when she's explaining to uh benji the cameraman she's like oh my father was a professor and we grew up in a really studious household it's like i feel like because he was constantly searching for this philosopher's stone and searching Mm -hmm. for answers he wouldn't have time to (laughs) really like make his kids do all of that sort of so it doesn't that doesn't really make sense to me um i can see her being that way because uh, of him feeling like nothing she does is good enough. Oh, that's very true. I just thought of that, though. Yeah. I can see her being like that. I I kind of wish that was her reason behind her being so anal about how much she mm. knows and, and what she can do, is that she's just trying to impress her father, like nothing is working. Yeah. So, that went a lot deeper than I thought it would. <laughs> I'm so glad we're talking about that. No, because yeah. it's so true. Like, when I first saw this film, I did the biggest eye roll I think I ever could have done. <laughs> yeah. But you know what, though? Maybe but, she did it to take her mind off of everything that was happening at home. Yes. Like, no, but you're right. She's the no. type of person that's like, I need to keep busy. Otherwise, I'm going to have a mental breakdown. Yes. And like I said, there are women who are like this and men who are like this that are very studious and are very smart and they're very fit and are all of these things. I am so glad we're having this conversation because I never would have thought of that side of it. So thank you for bringing that part of it up. Like her dad's. Yeah. So is she sort of like a man's idea of a strong woman? (sighs) Sort of like a Laura Croft? Yeah. Do you think that she's sort of like that character? I guess that scene that they threw in there where she's talking to George and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry that I left you in Turkey. Like, I tried to call you. It seems like there was kind of a weird, like, romance thing between them. I actually want to add to that because there's a scene where George is talking to this random woman and mm-hmm. she, I think she works at that church. Yes. And she's sort of like sitting there like watching them talking and she's like she's very pretty yeah and then george comes back and then she's like so uh how do you know her and there's a tension there and i thought god (laughs) yes are you freaking kidding me like yeah in that moment not only have you sexualized her and have you and have made her like the um interested in the main male character Mm -hmm. But you've also turned her against another woman. Yeah, that was really, really frustrating to see. And it was like a huge like eye roll moment for me because I was like, this is unnecessary. It didn't need to go in there. I was just very okay with them being really good friends. Mm -hmm. I think that could have really been fine. And I think that even could have been more powerful. And this one put in intentionally 
a moment where we see that she's sort of pining for him. Yes. And that there's a tension there. Also, this could have been the perfect moment to put in a film two female characters being introduced to each other and having it be totally platonic. Yep. There's no competition there whatsoever. Yep. I mean, Stranger Things season two was such a disappointment for me in more than more than one reason. Uh, one of the reasons was was that two of the female characters were were up against each other. Yeah. And it was completely unnecessary, especially since these women were not actually women. They were little girls. They're like 12, 13 years old. And that to me just says like if you're this like it's it happens to women of all ages. And the fact that they did it for little girls is so obnoxious to me mm-hmm. that that was added in. I'm I'm not a fan. So no. when, when that happened, I was really kind of like, yo, that well, does not need to happen here. The scene is also awkward. Like, it's Super so awkward. weird because Scarlett is just hanging back and George is, like, looking over at her like, hey. It's like... It's like when you're out in public in a bar and you see a guy introduce his girlfriend to another girl and you know that it's not a good moment between them. Yes. That's what it feels like. Yeah. I, I did not enjoy it. So, Nope. Unnecessary in my opinion. So we need more platonic friendships in film. <sighs> wow. Good talk. Good talk. Let's continue. <laughs> Tell us what you guys think. Let us know what you think. Do you think that we're reaching or do you think that we're on the right track? Let us know. Okay. So, according to Paris Luge, I can't pronounce it. I don't speak French. I would have said log, so it's okay. Okay. Uh, The catacombs, also known as the Empire of the Dead, have been a tourist attraction since they were created in the mid-1700s. Mm. Over six million people are buried in those catacombs, <sighs> which were created to combat the improper burial techniques that created health problems in the city. Yeah. So this whole story is based on a true story? hmm So the footage we're about to talk about was first seen in a documentary by Francis Friedland. And in the documentary, they show footage from a 1990s camcorder apparently found in the depths of the catacombs covered in dirt and dust. <sighs> the footage shows a man who at first is very calm walking through the catacombs. And then the deeper he goes, the more frantic he becomes, probably because he realizes that he's lost. Oh, God. And he eventually drops the camcorder and runs away why we'll probably never know Mm. but there's actually some issues with this film because in some documentaries and in one one show called the scariest places on earth they talk about the catacombs and they Mm -hmm. show footage from this nobody actually knows who this guy is nobody knows where he comes from yeah some documentaries that show this footage will say things like oh it was somebody who was into going into uh, caves and catacombs and and researching all that stuff i've heard many different stories right it's like how do you know that but not who it is right do you know what i mean i feel like it's a little bit of a hoax I think it's a hoax, too. I think it's a very good one, though, because it's very scary. It is so scary. Yeah. So we're going to share a link to the footage in the show notes, guys. So definitely take a look at it. 
It's very frightening. Uh, let us know what you think. But apparently, it's based on this footage, this movie. Yeah. Okay. So, as we mentioned earlier, about 90% of As Above was filmed in the actual catacombs in Paris. In an interview with Gizmodo.com, the interviewer mentions how As Above is reminiscent of the film Event Horizon. Hmm. And in response, Drew Dowdle, the co-writer and producer, said, there's an Event Horizon element to this film, mm -hmm. but he continues and he says, quote, and we found that when we went down there, that if you saw a ghost or a creature of something, that's almost what you expect to see down there, yeah. like in the catacombs. But seeing like a telephone ringing when oh. someone is on the other end of the line that, you know, things that don't belong down there are especially terrifying. We really liked going with more of a psychological digging into your subconscious feel, finding the things that weigh on your soul and those things manifesting in that space. Mm -hmm. I and love it. I think that that's really interesting because even though at the end of this film people do get mm -hmm. um the scariest part of this film is them finding the ringing telephone and finding the piano mm -hmm. are two of the scariest scenes in this entire film and the car and the car the freaking burning car with somebody inside right <laughs> and i think he's absolutely right like you expect to see creepy people and creepy monsters but you don't expect to see mm -hmm. a telephone yeah. killed off. And I really like that part of it. But of course, that bleeds into the visions and like why they're seeing them. And apparently the Dowdle brothers uh, actually put things in there that they knew from their their own past mm. and the piano was actually that's what the piano that they had as kids looked like. Mm, and, don't like that. Yes. So... <laughs> They, uh, I guess, like, the people who were doing, like, the set stuff were like, oh, but we can fit this piano down there. And they were like, no, it has to be this type of piano. Because that was one they had as kids. And I thought that that was a really Dang. interesting little tidbit. Mm -hmm. It makes it a little bit more personal, honestly, that mm -hmm. the film. Uh, and there's actually, there used to be a game that you could play when the film had was released in 2014. And you would actually travel through the catacombs in this game. I think it was on, like, Fandango.com. And I think it was called Personal Hell. What? Yes. And I actually tried to play it. I found the link. I tried to play it, but it wouldn't load. Aww. So I don't know if it was my internet or what. But, guys, if you can play it, I will also put the link at the bottom in the show notes. Let me know if it loads on your computer and let me know if you can play it. Because... The game will actually take pictures from your Facebook and it will put it like in the catacombs and you will like, you know, if you guys have ever played the Slender Man game, it's sort of dark, right? And you will walk through the catacombs and you'll like shine your light in certain places and you'll see like pictures of your past, <laughs> which is almost kind of hilarious because I'm like, what if they're, what if they find pictures of you like super drunk at a bar from like 10 years ago and they put that in the catacombs? <laughs> Because I thought that would be something I would probably be scared of. Or like an ex yes. that you really didn't like. You had a really bad breakup and freaking Facebook found it in the recesses, like the dungeon part of your yes. photo albums. Yes. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. Oh, my God. Okay. So let's talk about that fun title and the journey to our personal hells. Oh. Okay, so according to Mystica.com, 
The phrase, as above, so below, comes from the beginning of the Emerald Tablet, and its explanation embraces the entire system of traditional and modern magic, which was inscribed upon the tablet in cryptic wording by Hermes Trigmegistus. Um, if I said that incorrectly, I apologize, but he's dead, so... Listen, we're not historians, okay? I'm not, listen, it's so true. <laughs> Deal with it. Um, so it was on his emerald tablet, <laughs> and they actually explain it better in the film than I just did. Yeah. I think Scarlet says something along the lines of, it is the secret to all magic. Yes. Because what is in me is also outside of me. Yes. And vice versa. Mm -hmm. So the significance of this quote is that it is believed to hold the key to all mysteries. All systems of magic are claimed by this function and this formula. That which is above is the same as that which is below. Everything is related and working together. So Nicholas Flamel is a real person. Mm -hmm. And most people might know him from Harry Potter. And the Sorcerer's Stone, or the Philosopher's oh, Stone. Yep. And <laughs> he is also mentioned in the popular anime Full Metal Alchemist, mm -hmm. which is one of my favorites. And he is buried in Paris, and you can see his tombstone. Those are all very real locations and very real things that you can see. However, I couldn't find any credible evidence that he and his wife's bodies had actually gone missing. Like they say in the film hmm. so if you guys know the truth or not let us know on our social media because i couldn't find anything about his body being missing yeah so it's probably part of the myth also side note mm -hmm. the baphomet statue yeah the fingers pointing up and down uh -huh. also symbolized as above so below abigail satan thank you <laughs> thank you for that you're welcome okay <laughs> perfect okay so why do we care about the philosopher's stone and alchemy and medieval magic do we still care um more importantly why do these characters care well i think <laughs> it comes from it's kind of like when you're a scientist you know and you want like the answers to everything yeah. and you get caught so caught up in your own experiment that you're just like i need to know it's like dr frankenstein yes you know what i mean mm -hmm. so i think that like everyone is born with that kind of curiosity inside of them mm -hmm. and for some people you just keep searching and like no answer is good enough because you need to know more constantly right and that's kind of how scarlet is so absolutely like, she, she won't stop no she and at the very end of the film she says i just want to know the truth mm -hmm. like i'm not in this for money or fame i just want to know the truth but what truth like yes. about her father or about herself right. i kind i kind of feel like it's more about herself honestly yes i think i think you're right because it's almost like she's um going back to all of her degrees and her knowledge of language and her being so fit and fab um <laughs> where is the like she's trying to achieve almost an impossible goal yeah and it's sort of like how much more can i know about life like i know all of these languages i have all of these degrees like what is next 
And she's well, super young. She's like, what, not even 30 maybe? Yeah. It's like, where, where, where does it end? Like, the afterlife. Know. Exactly. So. The next great adventure is It's that death. balance. You yes. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The as above, so below balance. So she knows all of this knowledge, like you said, about life. The only thing left to explore is death. So. So great. It's bananas. It is. Mm-hmm. So in the collected works of Carl Jung, there is a section on the psychology of alchemy and the myth of the hero's journey. So Carl Jung said, quote, the purpose of the descent as universally exemplified in the myth of the hero is to show that only in the region of danger, watery abyss, cavern, forest, island, castle, etc., can one find the treasure hard to attain, jewel, virgin, life potion, victory over death. Treasure. (laughs) I mean... It's exactly what you just said. Like, this whole descent into hell is just the awfully good adventure, as Peter Pan would say, right? Like, death would be an awfully great adventure. Yeah. It's the next step. Where do we go after we've gone everywhere else in life? Mm-hmm. We go and explore the, the regions that we're not allowed to explore, right? Yeah. Well, I think... And this is part of, like, my own personal beliefs as well. Yeah. Like, uh, there are some things that we really are not meant to know in our physical bodies. Mm-hmm. And those experiences are meant for, you know, when you're you're done with your mortal shell and it's literally just your spirit transitioning because your physical body cannot handle it. I completely agree with you. Yeah. That's so, exactly what I think, too. And that... This whole film is a perfect example of that because the entire feel of the movie is like claustrophobic and they're crawling into places that they shouldn't be. They're and experiencing things that just mm-hmm. traumatize them immensely. Yeah. That that not only like affect their physical like outward like skin and, and bone, but they, it also affects like their brain, mm-hmm. right? And their nervous system. Yeah. Yeah. But also... They they go through all of these, like, trials and tribulations in these catacombs, and then they seem to so simply, like, pop up through a manhole, and then they're yeah. back on Earth, and it's like, it's kind of like it's just one place. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the dread and resistance which every natural human being experiences when it comes to delving too deeply into himself is at the bottom the fear of the journey to Hades, which is hell. <laughs> and the philosopher, which I guess would be these people in this film, make the journey to hell as redeemers. Hmm. And I wonder if they pop out of there and they're like, well, now that we've literally experienced everything, what do we do? Yeah. When you have experienced all of the truth and you are back on earth in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Metaphorically, how do I live now that I know what it's like to have died? Well, I think that once your eyes have been opened to that kind of stuff, you just really see it everywhere. You see yeah. it in every it's it's like having PTSD, like you sometimes imagine things that are not there, but maybe they really are. Who knows? 
they're maybe going to like redeem themselves from all of these horrible things that they've done right yeah so like um papillon like was in that car crash and that killed that person right right is that what happened he the flaming car was him well he couldn't i think he couldn't get to him fast enough or something like that okay so really honestly it's not anything that these people have done it's what they didn't do right and it's that guilt that they've carried with them all these years that's true it's um it's all of them too like scarlet didn't pick up the phone when her dad called george wasn't able to save his drowning brother Mm -hmm. because he wasn't fast enough i think to get back to him or call for help or something yeah that's actually that's really interesting so it's almost like they go there to sort of feel better about Mm -hmm. what had happened yeah and then maybe that's the case. It's like after you've gone through that horrible, after you've gone through hell and you've experienced hell within yourself, mm-hmm. after you survive it, maybe the answer is to keep living Yeah. now that you've learned how to cope with it. True. I think that could be maybe the answer. Yeah. But then I also have issues with that because it's like not everyone survived. <laughs> Right. And why did Zed survive? I don't know. Freaking Zed. Like, why did Zed survive and not Benji? Listen, I'm kind of mad about that. Me too. We'll talk about that too. Uh, So (laughs) instead... We're very unsatisfied. Listen, we love this film, but there's problems up the wazoo. We want our money back. (laughs) Good Morning Nancy is proudly sponsored by Recess Coffee. We wouldn't be able to create such great content without being fueled by their magical beans. And the great part is, is that each batch of coffee is locally, artisanally roasted, and it comes from fair trade farmers. Gracie, what's your favorite blend? Oh my gosh. Okay, so my favorite blend is the Westcott blend. It has African and Indonesian beans mixed to create a clean, rich, and full-bodied cup of coffee. Mm. It has a rich floral vanilla aroma with a sugared almond flavor and a lemon finish. Yum! Ooh, delicious. My favorite is the Austin's blend. It's a unique blend of African, Indonesian, and Central American beans roasted to create a characteristically rich, dark, and smoky cup. It has a bold roasted nut aroma with chocolate flavors and a smooth, fruity finish. The coffee is seriously so good. I don't even have to put any cream or sugar in it. I just drink it black like my soul. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So guys, head on over to RecessCoffee.com to order yours today. Or if you're a Syracuse local, stop by either shop at 110 Harvard Place or 110 Montgomery Street. So drink coffee, shoot lightning. Now back to the show. In Stealing Fire from Heaven, The Rise in Modern Western Magic, author Neville Drury says in his introduction, quote, Here the concept of magical consciousness relates much more to the concept of will or intent, dash to the idea that one can bring about specific effects or change within one's sphere of consciousness. This form of magic is basically about personal transformation Mm. or more specifically about the transformation of one's perception or state of awareness i mean that sort of like proves like what we've been talking about as well it's like as above so below magic is all about that like your personal transformation Mm -hmm. Uh, he also says quote some have regarded occult exploration as inherently dangerous as a foray into uncharted waters to some extent this fear is warranted 
For modern Western magic is, by its very nature, an esoteric tradition and involves the exploration of relatively unexplored human potentials. As the English artist and occultist Austin Osmond Spare once observed, the aim of magic is to steal the fire from heaven. However, one of my aims in this book is to show that for many practitioners, the practice of magic has an essentially has an essentially spiritual intent. Here's the thing. I want to hear what you have to say, yeah. There's good and bad to literally everything, and magic is no different. There's light magic, and there's really dark magic. Yes. So, obviously, this whole film is based around tropes of, like, ooh, the occult is, like, having rituals in this, like, catacomb, blah, blah, blah. I don't necessarily think that it's evil, because... There are there are a lot of authors and, you know, people who are involved in magic that talk about, like, communicating with the dead because they need more information or, you know, they want to talk to their ancestors for knowledge and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense that a bunch of French people are gathered in these catacombs and performing a ritual. Maybe they have relatives down there and they're like, yeah. hey, I need some advice kind of thing. But because of the creepiness of this movie and, like, the setting of it, people automatically think, oh, it's probably an evil ritual and they want to drag these kids, like, down into hell. Right. But that might not be the case. You know, this group of people may have ended up down there because they needed to learn a lesson. Not necessarily a bad lesson, but something that will, you know help move them forward in life and maybe the people that were picked off in the movie the universe was like okay nope you've learned all you have to learn it's your time to go kind of thing yes so so true i mean like that's my thought because i get kind of like worked up when people automatically liken magic to like i don't know like death and destruction because right. it's not. It's magic is just energy. So, right. but it's it all depends on how you use it or forge it. Yeah, so, abs- yes. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh in The Black Sun, The Alchemy and Art of Darkness, author Stanton Marlin says, "What follows is difficult and uncomfortable." Hillman warns that the Nigretto speaks with the voice of the raven for telling dire happenings and dante tells us abandon all hope ye who enter here yet in addition to these warnings i would like to provide some encouragement the artist ad reinhardt pointed out that we have a natural tendency to run away from such experiences yet he encouraged us instead to wait a minute to hold fast, because looking into blackness requires a period of adjustment. The reward for staying is available to those who have faith enough to withstand infinite duration. (laughs) Can I just moment of excitement here? This totally ties back to our psychology of horror episode. Yep. He's talking about the shadow self. He's talking about like the dark parts of yourself that you aren't comfortable with, that you don't want to explore, but the more you suppress them, the harder it is to deal with throughout your life. 
and the more you run away from like confronting your inner demons or like standing up to evil things in life so and that's what these characters do in this film is they are finally confronting their shadow selves and they're either dealing with it or they're not and the ones that deal with it are released back into the world Mm mm-hmm it's really cool it is really cool great okay so final thought A lot of reviews commented on one of the reasons As Above falls flat is because it's a found footage film. Mm -hmm. And it kills off its only non-white character. Barf. He's not the first to die, but he is the second to die. The first to die is Susie, who is a woman. (laughs) So a female dies and the black man dies. And it's... It's annoying. It is really annoying. Yes. Commonsensemedia.org said filmmaker John Eric Dowdle and his co-writer and brother Drew Dowdle have assembled a collection of terrific ideas for As Above, So Below, but unfortunately, they've also chosen the inexpensive but played out found footage approach, which is useful for all kinds of sudden jump shocks, but also makes for a shaky, nausea-inducing viewing experience. Other annoying horror movie cliches turn up too, including the fate of an African-American character. And I tell you, when I first saw this again, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, it's 2014 and you're killing off a female character first, but then you're also killing off an African-American character. Also, side note, I'm really, really mad that they put Benji behind the camera Thank you. Like, he could have easily played George's part. Easily. Yes, because George is an American. Yeah. Like, he is a typical male character. Yes. That could have easily. Like, why? Why? Why wasn't he? Exactly. Why? (laughs) Like, honestly. That's what it comes down to is like. And this is another thing. And I'm going to talk about Susie, too. She is there to be Papillon's girlfriend yeah who tags along there is no depth to her character at all zero and i mean zed is kind of the same way but i feel like you know more about zed than you do Susie, and he has like a minor minor role in the film he's there for like some comic relief right he's like the stoner character i feel like they they could have ditched zed altogether and had it just been Susie and papillon honestly and then Susie could have lived because Zed lived. I really kind of wish that Benji was George. <laughs> Let's just recast this whole Susie movie. Susie was Papillon. Okay. <laughs> and maybe there was a Zed for, to be the extra camera person. Listen, what if Papillon was a girl? Easily could have been. Yeah. We would have had a black character, a gay couple. Mm-hmm. And a lead female. Mm-hmm. It would Problem have been, solved. It would have been a beautiful film. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I like how at the beginning we were like, oh, yeah, I really like this film. And now it's just like. <sighs> Listen, though. I know. It sounds like we are we are bashing this we, film. We are like picking it apart. But, but you can like films that are problematic. It's okay. Yeah. As long as you recognize why it's problematic. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. That's my argument. Yes. Listen, I love the Lord of the Rings. There are very there are no female characters in those films at like literally like at all there's two three um that doesn't mean i don't think that they're amazing i do i love them yeah but it's good to recognize issues yeah and call them out because people need to know that like look like this is a problem like yeah we like your film but there's zero representation in it the thing about that example though is that those movies were based off books that were written like a bajillion years ago. Yeah. This and they movie, did and they did try to up the female yes. characters. They did try that. That's true. Yeah. But with this, this was like an original idea that was formed around like 2013. Yes. Not so, very long ago. And I feel like as filmmakers who are making a mainstream film, mm-hmm. you kind of have a responsibility to stay current. Otherwise, you're just doing the same thing that's been happening for years and years and years. And there's nothing new about it. Right. That's one of the reasons why I feel like this should not have been a found footage film. Because at this point, found footage was already very tiring. Obviously. It's outdated. It was. It was out. (laughs) It was. It was outdated in 2014. Yeah. And as of this recording, that was four years ago. Yeah. And it's like... It was after Paranormal Activity and Blair Witch. It was like, people were like, this is really amazing. And then it was done. And then people were like, I'm over this. Listen, though, the newest Blair Witch did kind of redeem found footage for me. It really did. I thought it was good. Okay. Right. (laughs) And we will eventually review Blair Witch. Yes. Because it is groundbreaking. However, at this point in time, when As Above, So Below came out it was very tiring mm-hmm. and i and it is especially towards the end very shaky and i'm normally oh. not somebody who minds found footage i actually think that there are very good examples of found footage like the wreck said. movies the so wreck good. movies are pretty good uh mm-hmm. there's this oh, i forgot the name of it but there's this alien one that's pretty recent that came out that i thought was pretty okay mm-hmm. um but this one did kind of make me uh like want to look away it was like there was noise and it was just images and i, I was still like, loved it though i don't know why i know. i, I yes. i'm like <laughs> why do i like this so much because the concept <laughs> is so interesting i do i love learning about the catacombs i think that's what yeah. really drew me to this and also the cover art is amazeballs yeah. whoever was in charge of the design of this movie you are a fantastic person. We should get coffee sometime. I think that the redeeming qualities of this film uh, kind of out, not necessarily outweigh, but they stand out mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I do think that there are some par- parts of this film that are very scary, uh, especially towards the beginning. And I love learning about Nicholas Flamel, uh, alchemy. I loved, there's a scene in this where they talk about the planets and mm-hmm. like what, what was considered a planet back then. Like, like, yes. um, the sun was considered a planet. <laughs> was this before or after Copernicus? And it's like, he, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the moon was considered a planet. Like, so it's just so cool. Like that kind of mm-hmm. stuff I really like. And, you know, I think there was, it could have been a perfect horror film if... Shift some characters. Shift some characters. Maybe not have done so much found footage. But 
I do really like how much we learn in this. I think that that makes it really positive. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you guys, (laughs) uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Good Morning Nancy. So if you guys would like to follow us on our social media, follow us on Instagram at Good Morning Nancy Podcast, Twitter at Good Morning Nan, and Facebook at Good Morning Nancy. Remember, that's morning with an O-U. Uh, write a review on your favorite podcast app about yes. our show. It helps so much, you guys. It's, it takes like two seconds, but it's it, worth it. For it's us. so true. Yeah, it doesn't take very long, uh, but it really helps us out. Also, tell a friend. You guys, thank you so much for listening. You're the best. We're going to see you next time. Heck yeah. Bye. Bye.